You know what's so amazing? Is God is is bigger than our perspective. He's bigger than our understanding. And uh, he's even bigger than our expectation. You know what? Does that make sense? So I'm uh, today we I'm excited about what the Lord is doing today. I'm excited about what he's doing. You know, I'm just like a kid. I'm just going to tell you. I'm a kid that's excited that daddy's home, that daddy's here. And I don't even know what that day is going to look like, but I just know he's here. Are you with me? And, um, but today, I, I want to give a little, a little background. Last Sunday, for some time, the Lord's just been really stirring in my heart about uh, revival for our area. We've been praying. Most of you guys know that we've been praying with local pastors for some time. And uh, <clears throat> just that God would connect the body, that, that we would, because I, I really believe that this move of God that's happening right now, it's going to happen with, with this, with the body. It's not going to happen with this as much as with this. This is going to be a part of it. What I mean by it is a speaker coming, sharing, and God moving, worship team sharing, and God moving. But it's the body stepping up and stepping out and saying yes to what God is saying to you. And you become a revival right where you are. It's not when we come together and have this great corporate meeting when God just moves in such a phenomenal way. We can't articulate it and everybody's laid out in the floor. I'm for that. I want it. I want him. But it's us, God working. And, and see, here's what he's been showing me. If we're not careful, what we'll look for is a stirring emotionally more than a moving spiritually. We're looking for that moment when we feel that we're just stirred. And God showed me this weekend that there'll be times we don't feel stirred, but he's still moving. And he's saying, if you'll just connect with me, I'll use you, even though you don't feel that thing that you think that's what it feels like when you feel it. And that's when we know God's moving because we have an emotion, we have an experience, we have an encounter. And I believe he's always wanting to encounter us if we'll just make time to see him. And there's a faith that's risen on the inside of me for I've prayed and prayed and prayed. Every week we pray for revival as a group of pastors. But there's a faith that's stirred on the inside of me to believe that not that one day maybe might, kind of, it should or could, but that it's here. And it's here because of who he is in me. Just as I just read in verse 17, as he is, so are we in the earth. And he, Jesus, said when, when, he, when the disciples teach us to pray, he said, on earth as it is in heaven. How's that coming? Because we're here. And he lives in us. And as he is, so are we in the earth. Are you with me? I'm going somewhere. So last Sunday, uh, Josh, you guys know Josh and him just got back from London a few weeks ago. And uh, last week, Josh went, had the opportunity to speak at a church last Sunday night. And uh, the, one of the gentlemen that spoke, uh, well, one of the guys that are at the church, and I can't remember his name, his doctor something. <laughs> but at the end, he called up uh, a handful of us, and he said, Josh had made mention to Azusa, Azusa Street. And uh, we're coming up on the 9th of April will be 110 years from Azusa Street. Is that, isn't that correct? No. 110 years since Azusa Street. And um, so he called a, a several of us up at the end, Ben and, and 
Josh, not Siri. It was Josh and myself and Nanette, the pastor of the church there, and Josh and Emily. And he said, God is saying, I am going to do Azusa Street. I'm go- There's going to be an outpouring like it was Azusa Street. And it's going to be here in this area, and you guys are going to be instrumental in it. And so what that was is I wasn't, I'm not building my life around the word, but the faith that was in me connected with the word that was God speaking. And there was, uh, it was beyond expectancy. It's beyond hope. There's a faith. I, I don't even know if that makes sense. It's beyond hope and expectancy. There's faith that says it's not seen, but it's here. Because it's his word, right? Well, this, he went on to say, uh, he prophesied over me and he said, when I looked at when he saw me, he saw a building on my head. I was like, that's awesome. And he said, I see a lot of rooms. And he said, I see a school of the arts in there. And what's so amazing about that is for about three months now, we've been meeting as a leadership team because we feel what God's telling us to do is to start a school of worship, which is part of the arts. And we've been in the process of doing that. But uh, when I was talking with Tish about it, Tish said, that's good, but that's not big enough because God didn't say, I see, I, the word wasn't, I see a school of worship, is I see a school of the arts. So it's bigger than this, and that's Ephesians. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that's at work on the inside of us. So his exceeding abundantly above is according to the power that's at work on the inside of us. So that's where that faith is, has, has arisen on the inside of me. And, um, you know, some other things I can, I'll share another time. But Cam is going to share in just a moment. Cam's going to come up. Something that God's put in his heart as a way of uh, communicating, expressing God in relationship and story. And then Josh is going to come up and he's going to share. Uh, but it was so, Cam contacted me in December, I think. He said, I've got this thing in my heart. And uh, I don't know how it fits in, but I just feel like, I'm supposed to do it, and I feel like I'm supposed to do it at the river. And I go, I don't either, and we'll just pray into it. And uh, I said, to be first of the year. And he said, I'd like for Josh to be here because Cam and Josh lead our men's group on Thursday nights. There's a little commercial plug for men. Uh, at his ta- Josh's house at 7 o'clock. And uh, Josh will be speaking in a minute. And you can ask him at the end of the service where he lives. So you can come, men. Because we had a good group, but you all weren't there. I know. I recognize. (laughs) Oh, you weren't there. I I can tell. And I can point you out if I need to. I'm just kidding. That's not God. That's Todd. I'm just playing. (laughs) Stop. Steven, stop. (laughs) So I said all that to say, not to take time, but to say, Do you see the hand of God when God says, I'm doing something, and when we choose to partner with him, even when we don't have all the answers, when we say yes to what God is saying, and we say amen to what God is saying, he'll begin to put flesh on the thing that we've said yes to. Are you tracking with me? If not, just smile pretty, because hopefully it'll make sense in a minute. (laughs) But so I said all that because God said, I want you to have a, there's going to be a school of the arts there. Well, what Cam's bringing is something different than we've seen before, and it's a gift. And God's saying, I want the body to understand it doesn't always look this way, 
but you can still receive. So even in worship today, there may have been things that you saw, or maybe this whole experience may be something new to you, but God's saying, if you'll trust me, I want to do something. Because here's what I know. There's very few people who love things to be the same. There is a personality style that loves for nothing to ever change. I understand that. But for, even for them, they love surprises, as long as they don't have to change their schedule to get it. They love surprises. And God is always saying, man, I've got something I want to show you, but sometimes we won't see. So I encourage you to just say, Jesus, I am open to you today to speak to me in new ways. Amen? So, Cam, I invite you to come. Quick. There may be other words in the scriptures that are more significant to receive, but in 20 years of searching, I haven't found them. This word found me in a moment when I was ragged and pining for death. It would have been shame enough if it had been my own bank account I had squandered on follies I don't even remember. But I blew the whole thing, all of it, coming to me from my father's state. Half of everything he'd inherited himself and worked a lifetime to multiply. I cashed it in when I had my chance, setting out to make life work on my own terms, leaving my father to be the laughing stock of our community. And all I had to show for it was a tattoo, an empty stomach, and a broken heart. It was early morning on the day everything changed. The crisp frost of autumn glistened on the wooden posts in the still morning air. My body ached from head to toe under the threadbare wool tunic I had used again for a blanket. I lifted my head from the dung-filled thatch that had become my bed and looked at the pigs surrounding me, rooting aimlessly without care or concern through yesterday's scraps. What have I done? But the question went even deeper. Who have I become? Shame, grief, and sorrow washed over me with the breaking of a new day. The stench of death enveloped me even as a stain of light began to spread across the horizon. I wanted to die. It was my only way out of this pain. Words trickled into my mind like the seep from a broken well. Tired, alone, broken, empty, ashamed, in need. Suddenly the dawn broke free and a spill of fresh light caused the, the frost on the heaps of dung to shimmer in a way that can only be described as beautiful. I pressed my hands into the cold earth and shimmied over to the splintered wall of the sty. I rubbed my hands together, blowing warm breath over cracked skin. My thoughts drifted to my father's hired hands. It had been a 
a long time since I'd thought of them or anything from my former life. In the cold of the morning, I thought of their warm bunkhouse. In the stench of the pen, I thought of the meals they would enjoy today. So different from sifting for a shred of nourishment from what I could wrestle from insistent snouts. There was a a flickering of light within me that I hadn't felt in years. Something in my heart began to rise. Father's hired hands live better than I. What if I go back? I could could plead for mercy. I could ask to become a servant, a slave even, at, at least then I'd be warm. It's my only hope. Though the walk through rugged country was a full day's journey, I can recall little from those hours. I had deadened most of my senses, and my heart had learned to want for little and look for even less. What I do remember till that very day was the glow of light behind him as I crested that rise and his silhouette. The light from the cabin was so warm, so inviting, and the silhouette, it was unmistakable. I'd know the stature of those broad shoulders anywhere. It was him. What would I say? It had been years since I left with my half of everything, many moons since I'd abandoned him and this story. It all happened so fast. What I remember first is that one word. It reached into my soul like a fiery coal. It pierced my deepest places. I've never been the same since. Quick! It echoed through the box canyon that had sheltered my family for generations. The reverberations off the cliff walls caused it to sink deeper and deeper into my soul. He shouted back over his shoulder as he ran, calling for the fattened calf to be slaughtered and a feast to be prepared. But the next moments were a blur. I hadn't seen my dad run in nearly two decades. He was well advanced in years, and much of his strength had long since left him. Our land is unforgiving. It has a way of taking the very best strength from a man. And grief, as well, had drained his vigor. The grief of a son wishing he were dead. But he ran with wild abandon. His sandaled feet flailed. His wild hair was longer than I remembered. The glow from behind it set it alight like a shimmering mane. His robe sailed on wind. He was strong, alive, and running right at me. I remember those arms, that smell, those tears, and more than anything, his laughter. All my words left me. My confusion was replaced with something I can only call home. He pulled me up as if I were young again. Still to this day, I don't know how he did it, but he did, like a man in the full strength of his youth, neither tired nor weary. He held me and laughed. The laughter and the tears washed me clean in a way I had never known possible. Quick, he said. Find my tambourine. Prepare a feast. My son has come home. It was the way he said, son. It broke open a vault of fear and shame at the core of my being. 
It had been years since someone called me son. And never before had I felt the safety and the wealth laden in such a name. In my name. I am still a son. I had never imagined that possibility. Not after what I had done, where I had gone, who I had become. But the word quick still hung on the canyon walls, shattering every possible doubt. Words began tumbling out of my mouth. I'm ashamed to think of them now. Looking back, they were the last vestiges of fear and shame bumbling out as desperation. I was asking if he'd, if he'd take me back as his servant after what I had done, who I had become. Even to ask for this mercy seemed preposterous. I watched his face. I won't ever forget those eyes. Piercing blue. They were endless oceans, bottomless seas, brilliant, safe. They were the answer to the question so deep inside me I didn't even know to ask. His words were few. His laughter and tears are what I remember. He hastily stooped to the red, dry earth. I thought he was finally showing the reality of his years and collapsing from exertion. And then I realized he was taking off his sandals. Before I could understand, he was putting them on my tired and bloody feet. Bewilderment and awe seized me. Before my mind could make sense of it all, I felt, I felt his strong, weathered hands holding mine. And I felt warm metal as he slid his signet ring on my finger. His smell was intoxicating as he put his robe on my shoulders. His laughter and tears haunt me to this day. Haunt me every day. Never before and never since have I witnessed something so raw and so real. He yelled with the strength of an exultant warrior and the joy of a heart made whole again. I don't know if it was the stars on that moonlit night or his words that seemed to light up the box canyon in a way I've never seen before or since in our land. My son was lost and he's found. My son was dead. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. That was years ago. But my heart remembers like it was yesterday. And there isn't a sunrise when I don't find myself stretching my memory back to watch my dad run toward me again. Running wild, young, and free. I was dead, and I came back to life that day. In those arms and through those tears, I became my father's son. I came home, and everything changed. Everything. Wow, that's good. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, the Lord's really been speaking to us about uh, 
being sons and daughters, and, and that's exactly what his story is about, is his son coming home. And that's what we felt like for so long, is that God's just been trying to show us how to be sons and how to be daughters. And uh, the Lord just kind of put this, uh, this question on my heart. So what's the difference between a child of God and a son of God? And it opened my eyes because I, I, I lived in probably a, a place of maybe 20 years where I felt like I was a child of God. But recently, I've just started realizing that I was a son. And in that sonship came everything. It was a place where we realized that we had more access to God. You know, a child, it's, it's interesting. I, I had uh, been looking through Galatians, and God just really started opening up a lot of eyes for me in this. But Galatians 4, 1 through 3, and we'll probably stay in pretty much most of Galatians the whole time. Um, but the child of God aspect, you know, being a child, you have access to heaven. And, you know, like I said, you know, 20 years I felt like I walked in this. You know, I had, had an understanding of God. I had, you know, salvation. And that was great. I mean, that's not, I'm not making light of that. But it, there was a, a shift in me that happened when I realized that there was more than just salvation. That God had something more he wanted to give me and, and wanted me to walk in and experience. And so Galatians 4, 1 through 3, it says, Now I mean, when I talk about children and their guardians, is this. As long as the heir is a child, he does not differ from all of the slaves, even though he is the future owner and the master of the estate. But he, under his authority of guardianship, and household administrators and managers until the date set by the father when he will reach legal age. It spoke to me in that because I thought, okay, God, so, so w there's something in, in us as children of God that we've got to get an understanding that uh, salvation is great. We get there, we get that salvation prayer, we get that experience with God, but then there's that shift that happens when we start learning about God and, and then we gain, gain something. And, you know, we, I think a lot of the churches lived in a place where they just live in salvation. You know, we stay in that place. Oh, man, it's great to be saved. I'm, I'm, I just want other people to get saved just like me. But then we, we sit there for years and years and years, and we go, well, what about the more? What about the things God has for me? What about, you know, destiny and, and the things he wants me to walk in? What, what does that look like? And, and so God started speaking to me about sonship, and he said, he said, a son walks in the authority of heaven. So you, you get access to heaven, but you don't walk in it. So you don't take an experience and start doing something with it. You know, Cam took an opportunity to step out in what God's gifted him in to do. You know, that's not a gifting that you do everywhere. It's, it's a gifting that, that God's given specifically to him. And he does that with Arts Alive. He does that with all these different places. But he's, he's found the realm of influence that he has. And so he started using it. So Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when in God's plan, in his precise timing, had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law, under the regulations of the law, <clears throat> so that he might be redeemed, liberated through those who were under the law, that we who believe might be adopted as sons and gain full-grown members of the family, the rights of the full-blown members. 
when you when you're a child, when you're a young child, you don't have all the same rights you do as an older child. You know, you, 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 it's like my daughter. My daughter, when she she's wanting to do things, you know, sometimes she's going to ask me <laughs> about it. You know, I come in the yesterday and, or. Yeah, it was yesterday. Yesterday we were sitting there, me and Em were having a conversation, and we look up, and Em was a hairdresser for 13 years, and so she's now staying at home, and she's got this box full of color that we still keep in the house. Well, I found Lily Grace, and she's got a tube of color in her hand, and it's all over the floor, right? She didn't ask me. I wish she had, but she she got into it. You know, she got into this mess, and, and, and so we just had to sit down with her and talk to her. We had to do that management part. You know, take her under some, some leadership and say, hey, that's not a good idea. <laughs> Let's not do that again. And then explain to her why. You know, Todd said this the other day, and I think even uh, when we were in school at Convergence, they said this. There's a difference between telling somebody how to do something and then showing somebody how to do something. You know, a true leader will actually walk beside you to hold your hand. You know, I think the, the, the illustration that Dan had used was that, you know, you have a chair. You say, I want you to take this chair and I want you to put it over there. And most of us can pick a chair up and take it over there. But the leader would go, hey, take my hand. I'm going to pick this chair up. We're going to walk over here, and this is how you do it, and sit it down. And so when you have somebody that does that with you, you start gaining a little bit more, a little bit more, and somebody that spends time with you. And that's what God wants to do with us. He just wants to spend time with us. He wants to grow us. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to show you the inheritance that he has for you. You know, it's funny. The first song we sang was Sons and Daughters. It was the first lyric that came out of Mel's mouth. And I thought, okay, God, that's perfect. And then Todd started talking about um, just being an heir and what that means. Um, and so I, there's, there's access that God gives you. When you're a son, you have a grasp of something that you don't typically have. So before Christ, you know, you did what the world did. You, you kind of ran with the flow. You know, you got a job, you might have got married, you might have had kids, you did the things that normal people do. But when God gets a hold of you and you start realizing that there's more to this thing than just salvation, then you start going, okay, God, well, what do you want me to do? And you start stepping out in it. So me and him, we, we stepped out in this, and, and God has honored it, you know, in so many different ways. When we, we took this trip to London, you know, we didn't have a clue what we were getting into, right? I didn't know anybody in London. I've never been to London. I... I had only spoke two times at the church. That was it. And honestly, the first time that I spoke, people were gracious and say it was good, but I felt like it was terrible. <laughs> I cried for five minutes in the whole thing. <laughs> Stephen said, I hope to God I ain't like Josh when I teach. <laughs> I just don't want to get under the anointing that he got under and start crying for five minutes. Don and BK were here, and, and BK looked at me. He said, I almost come up there and saved you. Yeah, that was my first experience. I still got up and did it again. Praise the Lord. Um, so anyway, we, we, we started planning this trip. And God just really started to show us that he's abundant. That he has more than we could ask or think. Right? So we, we started praying into this. Em got this vision. She saw um, just a picture of the, they call it the tube. So I found this out, and I'm going to make fun of Todd for a second, just because it was funny to me. Me and Em used to say all the time, we talk about words and stuff, and, and you'll probably get a kick out of this. Um, Todd says Tuesday. Well, in London, that's what they say. But we always say Tuesday. At least me and Em do. And so they, they add this choose. I found out I was wrong, and he was, he was, he was in the glory cloud. 
It was proper English. Yeah, that was one of the things they kept telling us. They said, uh, you know that we, we created that language. It came from here. <laughs> I said that numerous times. No. Yeah, it was them. So Todd's in the right on that. Anyway, it was just funny, but they, they do so many different things, and they say different things, and they speak different ways. Um, but in that, it was a rabbit trail. But, huh? Yeah, so we were on the tube, and I said all that to tell you why we say the tube now. Um, so M is having this vision of just seeing the tube, and basically it's just a subway, and the subway's going by and going by and going by, and in the window, she sees all of these monuments. And so she sees... Big Ben, she sees the House of Parliament, she sees uh, Buckingham Palace, all these different places, and she's like, okay, God, well, what does that mean? I mean, I don't understand. This is, this is kind of strange, but I'll run with it. So she sits on it for six months. She just prays into it and just asks the Lord to kind of show her what exactly that means. And, and so she comes to me at about a year, and uh, I told her, I said, you know, so let's pray into that. I said, I, I really feel like that's the Lord. And I, I am the type of person that you tell me something, I'm just like, all right, let's go do it, you know. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of hold back. <laughs> Todd will tell you that. I, I don't hold back a lot. And that's just because I'm passionate. I just want to see what God wants to do. So she told me about it. And, uh, and so I was like, all right, let's, let's just see what we can do. So we, I start looking at plane tickets. And I start looking at all these different things. All right, well, let's get a budget together. Let's figure out what we need to do. And she's freaked out. She's like, whoa, you're going way too fast for me. I'm not ready for all that. I just told you about it five minutes ago. And so uh, I let it sit. You know, God... God and Todd taught me one thing with my wife, and that is that I just have to walk out what he's called me to do, and then she'll follow. Don't try to force her to do it. You know, when we first started at the church, we went through a six-month period where Em was like, first month, she was all in, and then this tongues thing came in, and she got freaked out. <laughs> She's like, no, I'm not doing that. So Todd told me, he said, you just go to church like you're supposed to. You walk it out, and she'll follow. And now you see where we're at. So in that I sat on it six months. We just sat and, and prayed, and I just said, Lord, you just show it to her. You just highlight it. You just bring it to her. And so she came. Uh, we, we went to go visit Donna and BK down at the beach, and we went to see this. Uh, we actually went to, uh, what's your buddy's name? Mark's church down in South Carolina, and, uh, and they had a guest speaker, and, and the guy was talking about um, making the impossible possible. And so for us, we thought, this is not coincidence. Okay. And so we had a four-hour car ride home conversation about this trip. And God just started showing us all these different things and just telling us who to connect with. Divine appointments, divine connections. I mean, we had, it's so cool how God will set up things so far in advance to get it ready for something that's five years ahead. And so me and Em, we, we had been through Sozo Ministry at, uh, at High Point uh, Grace Church. And so we... We felt like we were supposed to contact the, uh, the lady there that was the regional director for us. And so we contacted her and we said, hey, we feel like we're supposed to be going to London. We have no clue what that looks like. And she was like, oh, that's really cool. I think I got somebody that can talk to you. So she connects us with two people that lived there for two years. And these two people weren't just ordinary two people. They actually, there was a minister over there that they traveled around with. And he was very well known. Um, his name was Peter Butt. Don't laugh at his name. It was funny, though. <laughs> but they connected us with him. And, and so this couple, they met with us on one night. We talked for, I don't know, maybe four hours. Just had kind of like a dinner, breakfast, or dinner, dessert type thing. And they said, we just feel like this is the Lord, so we're going we're gonna to vouch for you. They had never met us. They didn't know us. We could have been crazy. <laughs> Which we, sometimes we are. 
<laughs> Amen from the corner. Um, so, yeah, we, we met this couple four hours. They vouched for us. They sent this email out, tagged us on it, sent it to, to Peter, and then sent it to this pastor. And they just told us, they said, well, what's your heart? We said, well, our heart's family. We, just, we want to connect with family. And that being the body. Whatever that looks like, we just want people that are running after that. They want to connect with the body. And so we did. Sent this email out. Um, we walked through quite a bit in that journey. Um, they sent us an email back and said, hey, we'll pray about it, and we'll let you know something. I said, okay. So then we, we got a little anxious, and, and I dumped to my ordinary, hey, let's just do something. You know, you got to do something, right? No, you don't. You just need to let God do it. I figured that out. So I, I reached out to two other churches. Both of those churches completely shut us down. So <laughs> we don't know you. I don't know anything about you. Now it's not going to happen. And I thought, okay, God, I'm just going to let you have this. And so I got this email um, one day. And about a month prior, I had gotten an email from Chris. He said, hey, I'm meeting with my leadership team. We're going to pray into this, and we'll let you know something. I said, okay. He said, in a week, I'll let you know something. I said, all right. Month goes by, I hadn't heard anything. And this, uh, these other two churches sent me an email, and I'm like, no, 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 nothing's going to happen. <laughs> what are we going to do? And I told him, I said, well, maybe we're just supposed to go over there, rent a hotel room, and just treasure hunt the whole time, and that'll be fine with me. I said, God, it's yours. Whatever you want to do, you do it. So that was, it was like on a Friday. On a Saturday, we just made this commitment that we were going to do whatever he wants to do. On that Sunday, I got an email from Chris, and Chris says, hey, we want to work with you. We want to house you. We want to feed you. And we've got a two-week itinerary for you. They didn't know us. I met him when I got off the plane on Saturday. So when God says, I want you to do something, he tills the soil. He plants the seeds. He waters it. He grows it so that we're able to walk it out. And so me and him, we've got tons of stories that we can tell you and we would love to do that. I'm not going to share all the stories right now, but there are lots of things that happened that God just set up. You know, we, we spoke with, I, I spoke more times in my lifetime on this trip than I had ever any other time. I spoke in front of congregations that were bigger than anything I had even imagined. And then I spoke in four or five people, you know. We did small groups. We did church churches. We did conferences. We did, I mean, all these different things. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, God, how in the world am I qualified to do this? I've taught twice, and the first one was terrible. <laughs> and he said, you're my son. You're my, you're my beloved, and I, I just want to bless you, and I want you to walk out what I have for you. So um, we, uh, we got to really see what inheritance meant, and that was the big thing that God's been really speaking over us is, is that we're heirs, and what does that look like, and what does that mean? And um, it says, those that walk by the Spirit. That, that means that we actually have to walk in obedience to the Spirit. Yeah. You know, it means we have to listen to what He's saying. We have to pray into what He's saying. We have to listen. And, and God will give you things. God's always speaking. And God's already spoke to me quite a bit to uh, give some words today. And I think that's where He's heading me right now. And I'll tell you, man, it's been an interesting journey. Sunday night when we did that, that conference, I just told the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I, I just want to be used. Whatever you want to do. And, and I... Every time I've taught, I've just asked the Lord to give me words for people and, and just kind of just step out and take a risk. And, and I took some pretty big risk. 
on Sunday night. Um, I just asked the Lord to give me dates. And uh, the first date he gave me was a fail. <laughs> Nothing happened. I said, what about July 11th? And they said, mm, no. Right? And I said, like, okay, God, well, I'll just keep taking a risk. So I stepped out again, and God gave me uh, two more dates. He gave me their, it was actually Molly and Dylan. He gave me their, he gave me Molly's birth date and told me it was her birth date. And in the word that I had written down, said her, said, it was talking about being a daughter, and said her. And then he gave me a word about their marriage date, the date they got married. And then we spoke into just their life. I mean, and I just thought, okay, God, complete fail. You nailed it. <laughs> and I thought, wow, I, I, I'm going to keep stepping out on this. So I just asked the Lord to give me some dates, but he gave me some specific people as well. And so I just wanted to share that with you guys. Um, July 27th was one of the dates. And that may be a birthday. It may be a kid's birthday. It could be anything. Does anybody feel significant to July 27th? It's your mom's birthday? <laughs> this is fun. So I, I like writing it down because once I write it down, then I can send it out. So it's really cool that she's not here. So I'll send it to you, send it out to her. And so you have been praying for a touch from the Lord. And he said, today is the day that you will encounter my love. I am your father, and you are my daughter. Nothing is hidden from you. It's hidden for you. He said that this is a game of hide and seek, and he is releasing you to seek his goodness of the kingdom. Seek me first, and you will find my kingdom. So I'll send that to you. You can send it to her. Joyce. <laughs> Joyce got a quick look, right? <laughs> He gave me, man, this is funny, right? So I, every time I get ready to teach, I say, all right, I need like three or four hours. I didn't have three or four hours last night. I got an hour if I was lucky, and that was with a screaming kid in a swing. It was worship music playing as loud as I could get it just so I could not listen to him scream. <laughs> I said, Lord, you got to speak loud. So I just asked him, and this is what he said. He said, provision and divine connections are coming. I will send you into the nations. I will fulfill all the dreams that you have had. I see you teaching to children, and they don't speak your language. And the Lord says that you will have dreams, visions, and you will see angels. You will have a gift of discernment, and when you paint, it's like words spoken on a, on a painting. They will be put into existence, just like when God spoke in Genesis. Paint your dreams on canvas, and they will be the cornerstones, the reminders of things that God has promised you. It's hard to do this at a church that you go to because you know people. And it's like, okay, God, you got to do something different. <laughs> Kevin, i got a word for you, friend. The Lord really spoke this to me. It had me about in tears last night when I heard it. It said, you are my son and I love you. I will not let you down. I am a good, good father. There's nothing that you can do that will separate you from my love or from me. You're my favorite I have plans and destiny for your life. You will minister in the marketplaces and among other areas. You, have a hear, you, you hear my voice on a daily basis. I turn my ear. I'm, I'm tuning your ear to hear what I'm saying. This is a gift that you have had since you were a child. I'm calling you to risk for my sake. When you step out, I'll catch you. You can trust me. Get ready. Where's Mel? Is Mel in here? 
Oh, uh, she, she heard me in there. <laughs> uh, I love it. It says, I hear that you will produce a CD full of new songs, spontaneous songs. It will be heard on the radios and it will be heard in stores all around the world. There's a financial blessing that will pay for the whole entire project. Your trip to Bethel will connect you and set you up for divine connections for this CD to be produced. I got one for you, friend. I was in worship, and he got, got you. Yeah, see, I didn't even write these ones. The one with Mel, the last three, I, didn't, I just got those during worship. I thought, okay, God. See, if you saw me with my iPad, I wouldn't, like, on Facebook. <laughs> uh, since God's not done with you yet, I see an encounter coming, like a Heidi Baker encounter, where you will explode your heart with consuming in his love. The tools that you have needed have been developed over the past five years. I see you on a journey like David. You've killed the lion. You've destroyed the bear. But in the next event, you'll take on the giant and you'll defeat him. You are ready for your destiny. Hey, head there. <laughs> uh. So Heather was in worship, and she was sitting on her knees, and, and I just thought, oh, Lord, okay, God, what do you want to say? And I just, Stephanie Frizzell, every time I see someone on their knees, I think of Stephanie Frizzell and just how she gets into worship. But anyway, it's just a side note. It says, you will speak the word, word of the Lord with boldness. You are not meek. You are a bold warrior for the kingdom. Your voice releases the kingdom. You will sing a new song to the nations. Your tears that you have been crying over for hours at night have been heard and will be answered soon. I will give you the desires of your heart. I'm not unusual. This is what God does when you listen. You know, God wants to speak to every person in here. And it's not because I have some gifting that you don't have. It's because you have the same gifting that I have. All you have to do is take a risk and step out into it. I didn't start in a pulpit. I started in the street. I didn't get into that church on Sunday night because I didn't give a word. I walked up to a guy in the middle of the mall that I didn't know, and I told him that he was a pastor and that he had a heart for kingdom and that he wanted to see people run and walk in identity, and he was looking at families. He is in tears because the Lord gave me a word for him. He looks at me and says, I want you to speak in my church. That's how divine connections happen, because you step out in risk and God shows up. We stepped out in London and took a divine encounter with the Lord just because we wanted to take a risk. God's saying there's risk that you have to take. Faith's not activated unless you take a risk. It took a risk for you to get saved. You had to get out of your chair or raise your hand or say the prayer or whatever it was just so that you could get a hold of what God had to say. We've got to be willing to step out. Churches have to grow because God's kingdom has to grow. His body and what we are and what we're a part of is bigger than us. And when you think as small, if your dream is small enough that you can, can do it, then it's not big enough. That trip we did was bigger than us. We could not do that. There was no way financially that we could do that trip. There wasn't even really a possibility that I thought that I was going to be able to take off two weeks and be able to go. I was off for 18 days from work. I got paid the whole time I was there. 
I sent an email out to my regional director, and he sent an email out to all of the managers that I worked for, because I worked for four managers. They all said, oh, it'd be fine. He can go. They let me go, right? Because God said, oh, man, I'm going to set you up for January because January is a slow part of the month, and, and you'll be good. He set that up. Man, when we, I don't know how many times people told us, man, January is the worst time of the year to go to London. Why in the world would you go then? Especially right after New Year's, Christmas. It's the busiest time of the year. The pastors even told us, you sure you want to come now? I said, yeah, you know why? Because the word that we got was that we would have a three-month-old when we went. Levi was not even alive when we got this word. We got this word, what, 18 months ago? Something around that range. My son was not even thought about. We found out, I think, two weeks later, after we got this word, that she was pregnant. He was three months old when we went on this trip. He turned four months while we were there. So when God said, I want you to go, and this is the time, he gave us that specific word because he knew people were going to say this. Well, you sure you want to go then? Yeah, I want you to go then. You know how many people have told us, man, I don't know why, but you guys are here... You're coming back. You're going to be there again. You know that we raised enough money to be able to take two trips? We still have almost $1,800 left over from the first trip. Sitting in a savings account mission fund. Why? Because God called us to go to the nations. He told us that we were going to go and we were going to set up a, a, a family somewhere else. So that we could take other people with us. And it's already been told to us that we we're going to take people to London and that God's going to do something there. That word that, that, they, that he shared this morning talking about Rick Joyner and them, when you, re, you listen to the rest of it, it talks about Europe. It talks about here in North Carolina. There's connection there. God didn't set that up. It wasn't an accident. He didn't tell us to go to London because it was an accident. He told us to go to London because that's where he wanted us to go. You know, we went to that church on Sunday, and God spoke to me about that Azusa Street thing. And he just told me, he said it was igniting between churches. You know, I don't believe in coincidence. God's never ran a coincidence. When he set that up, I mean, Friday night, we had people from that church come here. I've been in connection with that pastor every single day pretty much this week. He's, he's talking with us. He's communicating with us. I mean, man didn't know me. He met me five minutes and then asked me to speak in his church. Did you hear what I just said? Five minutes. I don't think Todd let me teach, so I've been here almost five years. That's not a slight on him, but it's true. God had to do a lot in me to get me up here. <laughs> Still working on me, praise the Lord. Uh, man. So I say all that to say this. God has got such dreams that he is rising up in people in this house. There's things that he wants people to awaken to, press into, take a risk on, step out in. You know, I don't think it's any coincidence there's a school. We've heard that prophetic word over this house for five years or so. I mean, I remember Tracy Armstrong came here and he said, you're going to have a school. And then you guys are working on a school three months in. Somebody else gives a confirmation. That's how God works. He doesn't tell you to do something and then not confirm it. You know, and I'm going to tell you straight up. And God calls you to do something, it ain't going to be easy. 
or comfortable. I was not comfortable. And I'll tell you a story why I wasn't comfortable. When we were coming back from London, we're on the plane, right? My daughter throws up all over me. My son pees all over me. I'm not kidding. You think I was happy? I had a nine and a half hour flight home. And I had just got done with a mission trip. I was tired. But you know what? I had to go, okay, God, who am I? Who am I? You called me to be here because you said that I was your son. And if I don't act like, my, act like I'm your son, then I'm cut short. I had an opportunity on that plane to come to Jesus. <laughs> Praise the Lord for a stewardess who had a new seat. She come in, she put a new seat down, she give us all the stuff to clean herself up. My daughter wore a diaper the whole way home. She threw up all over herself. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's not easy. I mean, we had, we've had so many things, emails, people told us we were crazy, that, that why would you go to London? It's like the richest country in the world. They told us it was asinine. That was the word they used. Told us that we were asinine to think that we could go out on this trip, that we were trying to take a family trip. You think that wasn't persecution? You don't think that you're not going to get persecuted when you start doing what God calls you to do. There's something that happens when you say yes. But he's waiting on you to say yes. My question is, are you going to say yes? You know, we talk about inheritance, and it sounds great. My question is, how many people are going to walk in it? You know, there's, there's a lot more to this thing. You know, I was sitting there, and I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, tell me about inheritance. What does that mean? He said, that means you get to do whatever Jesus did. Everything Jesus did, you can do. And Jesus even said it himself. He said, you'll do greater things than I did. What did Jesus do? He raised the dead. He, he healed people. He, he gave prophetic words. He ministered to the multitudes. Everybody has a gifting. Everybody has a call. It doesn't mean that you're all going to look the same. But it does mean that you have a sphere of influence that's around you right now. If you don't take advantage of the sphere of influence, it doesn't grow. So my question is, when are we going to start doing that? You know, I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody because I'm still walking this thing out. Me and him <laughs> on a daily basis. Seems like every time we speak, it, it, it comes at something. There's, there's a cost involved. You know, it's funny. I, I was looking at, at the aspect of the law. You know, it talks about a lot in Galatians. Paul talks about how he says to Galatians, he says, well, who has bewitched you? What made you think that it was not about faith, that it was about works? I'm not talking about works. I'm not telling you you need to go out and do something. I'm telling you you need to be who you are and who God called you to be. Because he, he justified you. You know, Galatians 3, 24, it talks about being justified with faith. You know, justified in the amplified when I was reading that, it just had kind of like a little small definition. It says, that is, declared free of guilt and shame and its penalties and placed in the right standing with God. So if you don't feel like you're in right standing with God, it's a lie. If you know the Lord, you've committed to him, you don't have to walk in that mess. You know, when things happen and I got thrown up on the plane, I had a choice to make. It was God. Am I going to walk in all of this junk or am I going to be a son and I'm going to just 
said, God, you know what? I'm going to make the best of this situation. I'm going to walk it out. And so every time that the, that the enemy comes at you with something that says a lie to you and says, you, you've got all this stuff. You're just not qualified. I was not qualified to go to London. I was not qualified to speak in this church today because he qualified me. And if I think it's about me, then I've missed it. You know, I just want to be a humble vessel. So the law got broke. Your righteousness was given to you. You just have to believe that you actually are righteous. You know, it's not, it's not humility to sit there and say, oh, I'm just a poor, horrible sinner. I'm never going to make it. That's not what God said about you. You should never put something in your mouth, have come out, that's not what God said about you. You know, I, I said this thing on Sunday. You know, if, if I painted a picture and all I did was talk about how terrible it was, what would be the expectation that somebody else would think anything of it? God's a painter. You are his canvas. He painted you to be what he called you to be. If you have to say about yourself less things than what he had to say about you, then you're not in right connection with him. Because you're listening to that father of lies. It says you're not good enough, you're not able, you're not going to be able to do this thing, you're not going to be able to do that thing. And God's saying, but you are. You're so much more than what I asked you to be. You know, I, I look around this room, I see all kinds of people with destiny on their lives. You know, I, God spoke just to me. I, I, when we were in London, I spoke at a, um, at a small group, and, and it was our, uh, what's the word you use for... Um, for our lovely people, senior adults, that's what you say. And so I got to speak, right? And I'm 30 years old, and I'm speaking to senior adults, and I'm going, what do I have to offer you guys? I really want you guys to pour into me, right? Why? Because they got wisdom. You know, they got something to offer. And whenever you sit there and you think to yourself, oh, man, I'm just, I'm going to say it. I'm old, and I'm not, I don't have anything to, God's done with me. No, he's not. Till you say, check out. And you get put in a tomb, or you get put in, in your, wherever you're going. Some of you, may, I don't know what you're going to be. <laughs> God's not done with you. Right? You have inheritance that we don't have. Because you've walked it out. You got it. Some of you got 80 years in you. You got wisdom that you've walked out. You've learned. You, and, and when you don't take the opportunity to be able to bless the people that are younger than you, to take them by the hand. And young people need to be willing to let them take them by the hand. Because they know more than you do. Do you hear me? They know more than I do. I've sat down with Bob Foote quite a few times. When he was in the hospital, I sat there and listened to him tell me his story. And I thought, man, I've wasted a lot of time not looking at the inheritance that's ahead of me. These people have laid, their, their, their ceiling was my floor. You know, Bill Johnson said it. He was talking uh, about his grandparents. And they were sitting there, there at, a, at a birthday party, and they were all talking about how they, how they administered with Amy Simple McPherson and Catherine Coleman and some of these different people. And they were sharing stories. And he said at the time, I didn't think anything about it. He said, oh, well, that's really cool. And he went on. He said, now I look back at, you know, however he is. And he said, man, I wish I had gotten in there and listened because they had wisdom. I mean, these people were with the generals. <laughs> they were people that walked it out. They were people that saw revival. They were people that saw God's move. And 
I just want to meet people like that. I want you to pour into me. You know, I, me and Todd, we've walked hand in hand in a lot of different things, and, and I'm thankful for that because he's got wisdom I don't have. And he calls me on it. <laughs> He'll tell me if I'm off. And that's what I like because I want somebody to do that. And if you don't have people in your life that will do that, then you've sold yourself short. Because there's supposed to be people that speak into you, that guide you, that lead you. It's not about, oh, well, the Lord will lead me. Yeah, he will, but you need people that are going to lead you as well. we got to be willing to be humble enough to get underneath our leaders. You know, I was in London, and the pastor was talking about the, everybody hates the scripture, especially from a women's perspective, but they talk about being submissive to their husband. And he said it so perfectly. He said, submission, he said, that's when you get underneath that person and their mission, and you push up. So when you're not saying good things about your leaders, that's a problem. You need to get behind their mission. God's got mission for this house. He's got things he wants to do, and we've got to get behind that. We've got to get on board with that. We've got to realize who we are so that we can get behind where he's going. I, I, I know what God's got for this house. I've seen it. And there's so many different things that, that God's going to have to raise up leaders in this church. Tom Tenney can't do it by themselves. You know, I, I was cleaning last night. And I had been praying if I was going to share this or not. But I was cleaning last night. And the God, God said to me, he said, get ready for a move. And that's in every area. That's in the spiritual. That's in the physical. That's in this building. You know, Todd didn't share it, but that guy, when he said, he said that you'll have a building, he said it was going to be debt-free. That means that you don't have to have housing, building funds, all this stuff. You don't have to work for it. You just get to walk in your inheritance and say, oh, God showed up. You know, I mean, how many churches have actually been built debt-free? It's not a myth. But we've got a bad taste in our mouth because people talk about tithing. Oh, don't talk about money in my church. Yeah, need to talk about money. Need to talk about things that really matter. And I'll say the big bad word. You got to talk about things that are important. You got to talk about sex in your marriage. You got to talk about the stuff that nobody wants to say in the middle of the pulpit. Because if you don't, somebody else will. They write books about it in the world all the time, but we don't talk about it in the church. Why? Because we're scared of it. Somebody might get offended. I'm sorry if you get offended. There's so many things that are going to offend you. you got a choice to make. Go to that person and deal with it. Hear their heart. Find out why they're doing what they're doing and where they came from. If you don't do that, then you're just going to stay offended. There's people in this house, man, they worship up like you would not believe. I know it offends people. But Stephen, I mean, I, I see Stephen worship, and it undoes me. Why? Because he has a passionate relationship with God. He's chasing after God with all he's got. And he don't care what it looks like. David didn't care what it looked like. He's made a sacrifice every six steps, just like we said on, Sunday, or on Friday night. Why? Because he didn't care. He said, God, I want to look like you. If that means foolish, I'll look foolish. I looked real foolish when I went to London. Because I thought, how am I going to speak to these people? I don't even know what to say. You know, I listened to almost four, 40 different teachings of the pastor that I went to and preached at before I went. Why? Because I was trying to prepare myself for what they were doing. 
I said, you didn't have to prepare for anything. I didn't use anything I learned in those teachings. I learned a lot, but I didn't use it because God didn't say that I was supposed to teach what he taught. He said, I want you to teach what I put in your heart. You know, I'm not going to be somebody who regurgitates a message. I want something fresh off the cuff. So my question is, when are we going to step into destiny? When are we going to believe what God says about us? You know, he prepares the way. If you got something that you want to do, you got a dream that you put on the shelf, God said, take it down. Why? Because it's been up there too long. And let the king of my heart be the mountain where I ride, the fountain I drink from, oh, is my song. Let the king of my heart be the child where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, is my song. Yes, you are good, good, oh, yes, you are good, good, oh, yes, you are good, you're good, oh, yes, you are good, you're good. the king of my heart be the wind inside my sails the anchor in the waves oh he is my song let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins the echo of my days oh he is my song you are